today. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's warning after a high-speed paparazzi chase that's eerily reminiscent of his mother's death. Harry and Meghan are extremely polarising figures, and if you look at the response, people's attitude to it pretty much falls into those two categories. Nationalist Israelis celebrate Jerusalem Day, while Hamas positions itself for succession. Plus, why Russia has arrested three rocket scientists for treason. It's Thursday, May 18th. This is Reuters World News, bringing you everything you need to know from the front lines in 10 minutes. I'm Kim Vanell in London. But first, here's what we're watching today. This is northern Italy, where massive floods have killed at least nine people and thousands more have been evacuated from their homes. The life-threatening conditions mean Sunday's Formula One Grand Prix in Imola has been cancelled. Some areas have received half their average annual rainfall in the last three days. Deutsche Bank has agreed to pay $75 million to settle a lawsuit by women who say they were abused by Jeffrey Epstein. That accused the German bank of facilitating Epstein's sex trafficking. He was a Deutsche Bank client from 2013 to 2018. Montana has become the first US state to ban Chinese-owned TikTok. It means it will be unlawful for app stores to offer TikTok within the state, but individuals will not receive penalties for using it. The ban will take effect on January 1st, but will almost certainly face legal challenges. Four children have been found alive in southern Colombia more than two weeks after the plane they were traveling in crashed in thick jungle. Three adults, including the pilot, died in the crash, but the 13, 9 and 4-year-olds survived, as well as an 11-month-old baby. Prince Harry is accusing photographers of nearly killing him, Meghan Markle and her mother. They issued a statement describing a high-speed chase through New York City on Tuesday night. They called it a near-catastrophic car chase, with police confirming an incident had taken place and that photographers made their transport challenging. The drama involved taxi driver Sukcharan Singh driving the Duke and Duchess of Sussex for about 10 minutes as they tried to shake off the photographers. So I was going down 67th Street. I see a guy in a suit hail me. A few minutes later, I see three people hop out of a black car right into uh, my cab, and it was Prince Harry and Meghan, and there was another woman with them as well. All of a sudden, paparazzis came out of nowhere and just started flashing, and Prince Harry and his wife and the other lady, they were nervous and they looked scared. We can speak now to our reporter, Michael Holden. You broke this story. How did this come about? I got a call from Harry's spokespeople yesterday afternoon, UK time, and then they sent me the statement through. And so we happened to get it before anyone else did. So what does the statement tell us about the couple, I guess, and their experience with the press? Well, this is all part of a long-running battle that they've been fighting with the media. Ever since they got together, they see the media as conducting a, a sort of campaign to intrude into their lives, harassing them, write negative stories about them, lie about them. And so this is all forms part of that sort of background. And I think uh, on this, they feel that, once again, the paparazzi photographers went too far. 
put their lives in danger or felt they put their lives in danger. How has this been received? As usual, there's been no official comment at all from any of the royal family. That's not a surprise. They never normally talk about these things in public. This fits into a narrative that a lot of the right-wing press in Britain have, where culture war is a, is a big deal. Basically, they're the sort of face of woke for a lot of them. And the criticism is that they are using this, they're milking this for their own purposes, that they complain about all this stuff. And the reason they do it is to make money out of it. They can um, draw attention to themselves because they're still playing, as they see it, on their royal background, even though that they've spent the last few months attacking the uh, royals and, and the rest of Harry's family. Everyone is making comparisons, obviously, to Princess Diana. You covered the inquest of Princess Diana's death. How are you seeing what's playing out now with Harry and Meghan? Well, it's obviously not quite the same. Princess Diana faced unbelievable amounts of press interest. Everywhere she went, she would be followed by possibly dozens of photographers. I mean, Harry very much sees it as being that being completely responsible for her death. They don't face quite the same sort of interest. There's not the same, that sort of level of paparazzi hounding that was that she faced. But I think from Harry's point of view, that doesn't matter. Any kind of similarity, any kind of treatment of Meghan that falls into that sort of category is just unacceptable. The arrest of three scientists in Russia has sparked accusations of treason. We don't yet know what these literal rocket scientists have been accused of. Here to unpack this mysterious story is Mark Trevelyan. Mark, the accusation of treason is extremely serious. Do we know the specifics of what they're actually accused of? We don't because the details have not been made public. But what the colleagues of these scientists have done is they've gone public in an open letter protesting the innocence of these men Their understanding is that the accusations are based on presentations and articles that the three scientists have made in various international forums. These presentations have been used as the the basis for accusations that they've betrayed sensitive information. And the scientists are sounding a note of real sort of desperation and alarm, saying just pursuing advanced science can lead us into situations of where we're accused of grave crimes against the state. The timing of this raises a lot of questions, though, doesn't it? The timing, I think, is slightly coincidental here because for the first time, Ukraine said that it was able to shoot down half a dozen of these Kinjal Russian hypersonic missiles, which was a first for Ukraine. However, these arrests predate this latest military developments. So I think it's coincidental that the case has become public just at this moment. What might this mean for Russia's war in Ukraine? Well, Russia's facing a lot of challenges, isn't it, in this war, because Ukraine is constantly getting access to more and more sophisticated weaponry from the West. And so Russia's technological edge potentially is being eroded here. And therefore, to arrest and make serious accusations against its leading scientists would appear to be self-defeating. I just, I don't understand why Russia would try to penalise scientists for advancing Russian weaponry systems. It just, it feels like something doesn't add up here. I mean, it is confusing, but looking at the bigger picture here, we are seeing a degree of scapegoating. Certain people at this point are becoming casualties 
of Russia's failures in the war that I think one could argue reflect the Kremlin's frustrations and disappointments that it hasn't been able to make its, on paper, superiority over the Ukrainians in terms of military technology and sheer numbers. It hasn't been able to translate those into a victory in Ukraine. Hamas official Mushir Masri at a protest on Wednesday ahead of the flag march in Jerusalem. Tens of thousands of Israeli nationalists will march through the old city, including the Muslim quarter, on Thursday in an annual event that has raised fears of renewed violence. In 2021, Islamist group Hamas fired rockets into Israel during the march, triggering an 11-day war. Another round of fighting between Israel and Gaza militants ended only last weekend, but this time Hamas was not directly involved. James McKenzie is bureau chief for Israel and Palestinian territories. He explains what the recent fighting in Gaza tells us about Hamas's ambitions. How is Hamas positioning itself right now? It seems to be building its legitimacy as leader of the Palestinian cause. That's certainly its objective. A lot of that's focused around Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. That's a holy site to both Muslims and also Jews. It has armed fighters in the West Bank, particularly in places like Jenin or Nablus. It has a sort of varied web of charities and companies and financial assets of one kind or another that support its activities. It also receives help from outside, from countries like Iran. So it's using that power to sort of build its position. Why is Hamas trying to set itself up for succession in the West Bank? Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas is 87, but he isn't showing any signs of going anywhere. Well, that's where it's really anyone's guess, because nobody knows what's going to happen when Abbas goes. There's no clear succession procedure. They could theoretically hold elections. That's not very likely. They haven't held elections for many years. Or there could be a sort of rather chaotic fight for supremacy that could mean taking part in any kind of political manifest, political demonstrations or even fighting. That's it for this edition of Reuters World News. We'll be back tomorrow. To get all our shows in your podcast feed, make sure to follow us on your favourite platform or download the Reuters app.